everybody. Welcome to the 57th episode of Snippets. I'm Dr. Bhavani Johari, resident of Shankar Netralay and your host for the day. I would like to invite Dr. Durga Priyadarshini, consultant in the Department of Neuroophthalmology, Shankar Netralay, Chennai, to enlighten us about how to approach a case of oculomotor nerve palsy. Thank you so much, ma'am, for taking out the time to join us today. Thank you, Dr. Bhavani, for the kind introduction. And thank you Team Snippets for this opportunity. Today, let's discuss how to approach a case of oculomotor nerve palsy from a neuroophthalmologist viewpoint. Oculomotor nerve, also called as a third cranial nerve, has two major components. The outer parasympathetic fibers supplying the ciliary muscle and the sphincter pupillae. The inner somatic fibers supplying the levator palpebrae superioris in the upper eyelid and all the extraocular muscles except the lateral recti and the superior oblique. Could you tell us what are the causes of third nerve palsy? Third nerve palsy can be due to various etiologies ranging from ischemic, traumatic, congenital, inflammatory pathology to life-threatening conditions like aneurysm, space-occupying lesion or even malignancy. Literature states that ischemic etiology is the most common systemic cause of acquired third nerve palsy. Ma'am, what are the clinical features of third nerve palsy? Clinical features of third nerve palsy includes ptosis due to paralysis of levator palpebrae superioris, ocular deviation. Usually, the eye is in down and out position due to unopposed action of lateral rectus and superior oblique. Diplopia can be present, but many times, Patients do not complain of double vision as ptosis acts as a barrier to diplopia. Pupils can be fixed and dilated due to paralysis of sphincter pupillae. Ciliary muscle paralysis leads to loss of accommodation. However, in ischemic lesions, the pupils are spare. Is it possible that third nerve palsy can present in children? And if so, then what are the causes? Absolutely, children can present with third nerve palsy too. All acquired third nerve palsy in children should be imaged to rule out space-occupying lesion. The causes can be congenital, local inflammation, trauma, or aneurysm. Congenital third nerve palsy can be secondary to aplasia or hyperplasia of the oculomotor nucleus, birth trauma, intrauterine trauma, or rarely infections like meningitis. In children, they can present or develop amblyopia due to ptosis or squint, which needs attention during our management. Our listeners would like to know how to localize third nerve palsy. Understanding the anatomic features of the third nerve helps in localization of the third nerve palsy. So let me give an overview of the course of the third nerve first. Oculomotor nucleus complex is present in the midbrain at the level of superior colliculus. It consists of the main motor nucleus and accessory parasympathetic nucleus also called as the edinger nucleus. Within the substance of the midbrain, it crosses the MLF and the axons travels the red nucleus before exiting the midbrain medial to the cerebral peduncle. Then the fibers pass through the interpeduncular fossa before passing between the posterior cerebral artery and superior cerebellar artery to reach the cavernous sinus. During the course, it lies lateral to the posterior communicating artery. It then runs in the lateral wall of the cavernous sinus, superior to the trochlear, abducens, and the ophthalmic branch of the trigeminal nerve. 
It then divides into superior and inferior branch anteriorly in the cavernous sinus. In the orbit, the superior division supplies the superior rectus and the levator palpebri superioris and the larger inferior division supplies the medial rectus, inferior rectus and the inferior oblique. Interesting fact here is, the pupillar motor fibers are located superficially in the nerve and they are supplied by the pile vessels and main trunk is supplied by the vasa vasorum. Thank you ma'am for the clear and concise overview. Could you tell us what are the key facts we must remember about nuclear lesions of third nerve palsy? Pure unilateral nuclear lesion of third nerve is very uncommon. Characteristic nuclear lesion of third nerve palsy has weakness of ipsilateral and contralateral superior rectus and bilateral incomplete ptosis. Occasionally, only contralateral superior rectus is involved. Isolated unilateral inferior rectus palsy can have lesions of inferior rectus subnuclei. But otherwise, the presence of isolated muscle supplied by the third nerve is very rare and are mostly due to lesion in the orbit or the pathology of the muscle itself. This is because the superior rectus gets cross-innovation from the contralateral subnuclei, the levator palpebrae superiors has dual innovation from a single subnuclei, medial rectus gets supply from three separate subnuclei, and also the pupillary constrictor gets supply from the visceral nuclei which is present throughout the oculomotor nucleus. What happens if there is a fascicular lesion causing third nerve palsy? If any lesion involves the fascicular part of third nerve, it causes concomitant damage to neighboring mesencephalic structures or pathway. There are few syndromes associated with fascicular third nerve palsy, namely the Benedict syndrome, which includes ipsilateral third nerve palsy and contralateral tremors, secondary to involvement of the red nucleus. Weber syndrome, which has ipsilateral third nerve palsy, with contralateral hemiplegia secondary to involvement of cerebral peduncle. North angle syndrome which has ipsilateral third nerve palsy with cerebellar ataxia. And Claude syndrome has combined features of Benedict and North angle syndrome. Can you tell us when will we localize third nerve palsy to subarachnoid level or lesion? Well, it is usually associated with pupil involvement. Pupils might be dilated and fixed with variable paresis of extraocular muscle function. The etiologies could be life-threatening, most commonly an aneurysm of posterior communicating artery or internal carotid artery. Uncle herniation can also present with pupil involvement in third nerve palsy. But there can be exceptions like with unruptured aneurysms, the paresis may be incomplete and also they might spare the pupils, especially when the inferior portion of the nerve is compressed, sparing the dorsally situated pupillomotor fibers. So always remember, an incomplete third nerve palsy is a very important red flag and must be advised urgent neuroimaging with angiogram. We will surely keep that in mind, ma'am. Could you also tell us how third nerve palsy localizing to cavernous sinus or superior orbital fissure lesions presents? In cavernous sinus lesions, third nerve palsy might be associated with involvement of other oculomotor nerves or ophthalmic division of the fifth nerve. That is why it is essential to test all the cranial nerves. Another important sign is combined ocular motor nerve paresis with Horner's syndrome localizes definitely to cavernous sinus. Lesions of cavernous sinus also spare pupils as they often preferentially involve only the superior division of the third nerve that has no pupillomotor fibers. 
If there is an associated proptosis, it probably localizes to superior orbital fissure and if there is an associated optic nerve involvement, it localizes to the orbital apex. There are some aberrant signs of third nerve palsy. Could you explain about them? Aberrant regeneration may occur after oculomotor damage due to trauma, aneurysm or other causes like space occupying lesion. But it is seldom noted in ischemic neuropathy. So here I would stress that whenever you see a patient with aberrant signs, always do a neuroimaging. There is something called a primary aberrant regeneration, which is aberrant regeneration without a past history of oculomotor palsy or damage. Primary aberrant regeneration has been noted in patients with meningioma, aneurysm or trigeminal neuralgia. Signs of aberrant regeneration of third nerve palsy includes elevation of eyelid on down gaze, narrowing of palpebral fissure height on attempted abduction, limitation of elevation and depression of eye with occasional retraction on attempted vertical gaze and pupillary constriction on attempted adduction or down gaze. Now that we know the causes, clinical features and how to localize third nerve palsy, we would like to know how to go about investigating such a case. Isolated pupil sparing third nerve palsy Secondary to ischemic pathology requires a blood pressure evaluation, ischemic blood workup which can include a complete hemogram, blood sugar including HbA1c, ESR, CRP and lipid profile. Neuroimaging is indicated if the pupils are involved in cases of partial third nerve palsy, associated multiple cranial nerve palsy, third nerve palsy with aberrant signs and acquired third nerve palsy in children. And the imaging of choice would be a contrast-enhanced MRI brain and orbit with MR angiogram. Last but not the least, what are the treatment options available? Treatment of third nerve palsy includes conservative and surgical options. Patient can require a multidisciplinary treatment and referral based on the cause of the third nerve palsy. Any patient with vasculopathic risk factors presenting with complete pupil sparing third nerve palsy might be observed. These patients require a follow-up preferably after one month. This is because usually ischemic third nerve palsy demonstrates signs of improvement in one month and complete recovery in three months. In cases of diplopia, occlusion of the affected eye can be tried or prism glasses can be advised if the patient is comfortable. In pediatric patients, amblyopia treatment has to be considered. Surgical treatment can be advised after six months in acquired palsies if there is poor recovery causing persistent diplopia or for cosmetic reasons. So I would like to conclude by saying that third nerve palsy has a variety of etiology and can be a harbinger of serious pathology. It requires a collaborative approach involving an ophthalmologist, neurologist, neurosurgeon and a radiologist in evaluating and managing the condition. Thank you so much. Thank you so much ma'am for helping us understand the right approach to a patient of oculomotor nerve palsy. Thank you all for listening. Do subscribe to our channel and stay tuned for more.